Hey guys, welcome to episode 25 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Combo number five, and my fellow host is still MIA, put out an APB for Big Tuck. So we actually have Mr. Ultra Budget Brews himself from EDH Rec, hey. Andrew. What's going on, man? How's it going, guys? Good to be oh, here. We're good. Uh, I think this sets a record for the latest recording we've done. It does indeed. Uh, I, I, I do have some green tea here to get me through the night. Uh, <laughs> I've I, got I, a can of Milwaukee's best. It's fresh. Uh, it's not the best. I think it should just be called Milwaukee's, hey, and, and I think that would suffice it. I, I love it. It's watery. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how are things going uh, down south from uh, you know KC uh, with you and your magic crew? Oh, doing fine down here. We're uh, we haven't got to play too much since the uh, new year, and yeah. just with holidays and everything like that. But uh, looking sure. looking forward to the pre-release uh, coming up this Friday. So that will be. A oh, do you actually fun. go do that at your LGS? Yeah, go do that to L uh, my LGS down here, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, usually we get a big crew together. Uh, go get you know do the whole go get dinner before, and then you know sure, do a bunch sure. of games EDH and. Mm -hmm. uh, go and scrub out on a pre-release. So, <laughs> limited is fun, but it is. Uh, I'm not particularly good at it, and uh, yep. it is expensive. I like your word choice of scrub it out. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, scrubby lumpkins is is in fact what I am. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way. Uh, here's my thought on it. I'm actually very good at limited, but I'm not good within a set. Sure. So I am terrible at these pre-release events. But uh, I can't remember what they call them at Magic Fest. Um, I want to say it's called a chaos draft, okay. possibly, um, to where literally you just get this saran wrapped package with just random boosters. Oh, really? I'm actually quite good at that. I actually went, uh, I think, three and one or four and one in Vegas mm. uh, this yeah, year uh, doing that. Yeah, no, and I needed those points because that got me enough ticks to get a Savannah from the prize wall. Oh, that's nice. So hey, if you get if you get a free Aber duel. That, that's a that's a good day yeah see i think the thing with limited decks is i used to really try to like oh i'm gonna build a really good limited deck you know uh and anymore i basically only play edh and so it's like well sure. if i only play edh i'm going to build my limited deck like an edh deck yeah and i'm just like i'm just gonna do really silly ridiculous things and that's just what i'm aiming for and yep. uh, i might not win but i typically have the most fun so that counts for something hey well, you know what Th that does count <laughs> in the uh, morale column right so. <laughs> well guys thanks for tuning into our podcast and this is only able to happen by our fantastic producer squee mcgee and his production company rich chaos records here in kansas city uh how you doing squee i feel like this is your time of the night where oh, you flourish you know i'm a night owl let's do this thing i'm ready i'm jacked up i got at least like six to eight hours till I go to bed. It's oh, God, that's how serious. Good night. Oh, yeah, for sure. oh, yeah no. good We're night. You should do that. Right. I'll be back at like 3 30 in the morning. Oh, we'll God. I, education. I work in education. So, uh, but don't send me that, you know, classic you up text because I'll be confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> and if you guys want to know other ways that you guys can support the CMD Tower team and all the content that we have, just head over to our sponsor, level1gameshop.com. They sell magic accessories like those sweet, exclusive CMD Tower playmats and Matt Hunter Pack sleeves. Um, 
the sleeves are, you know, extremely durable. They have the nice uh, matte finish around the whole thing. And hey, it does have that super, super sweet CMD Tower logo that, that uh, friend of the cast, Mr. Magoo, went ahead and built up. They also have a sweet TCG player store with over 99% accuracy rating and crazy competitive prices. Because hey, let's we, we got the king of budget brews on here. We're all looking for a good deal. Another way that you can support the show is head over to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have four different pledge levels that kind of vary from just getting access to that sweet Discord and kind of having the CMD Tower crew plus all of our other patrons help you brew your next deck, your, maybe that could be on brews and builds, to all the way to getting your own signed CMD Tower playmat and sleeves. Of course, hey, the free way to help out is just share the content you're already listening to, share the articles that Big Tuck puts together. Um, every little bit of interaction from the collective really does help um every episode we do love to give a big shout out to the music that's provided in the beginning and the end by the now defunct pink royal um and of course stay tuned till the end because this will be the last opportunity you guys have to win a theros beyond death bundle for our january giveaway so Bruise and Builds is our deck tech series. It's all about the techs that Big Tuck, myself, and our guests have in our Path to 32. Each podcast, we're going to talk about one of those Path to 32 decks, but hey, in a cool manner, a brewing some beers. So, you know, we kind of broke it down into four different categories. The first one's going to be ramp and setting your board state. That's the grain bill. And now insert Big Tuck. Take it over. Yes, yeah, so the grains are the foundations of any beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts. Usually in about a 60-40 ratio, this helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into your bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they are usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. The next one's going to be, how does your board interact with the rest of the board? That's the hop profile. Hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of stands and help distinguish subcategories like IPAs. Our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can do what it wants. And then, you know, eventually we all want to go home. You don't want to be up playing magic till 6 a.m. Because then literally your eyes will begin to bleed. So, hey, how does your deck actually win? That's called yeast. Yes, and yeast are actual microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content and carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water, and without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of winning the game. And then finally, that, that kind of helps seal that deck together. We all like to do fun stuff. That's why we play EDH. It's shenanigans. These are pet cards and synergies that are in the deck that, hey, are just kind of sweet and fun. We're kind of relating that to a spice package. Uh, yes, and not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a stock normal beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into a jalapeno stout, or the addition of chocolate malt that turned the Big Tuck Brewing Seasons Pass Brown Ale from a normal brown ale to a chocolatey one. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we talk about it. And then, to cap it all off, we do have a bottle capping. That's going to be Big Tuck's, myself's, and our guests' recommendations to the deck that are under $5, under 50 bucks, and a personal recommendation that has no budget for you baller shot callers out there. The only restriction is no mana-only lands, because, hey, we could all use a guy's cradle. So, without further ado, let's get brewing with our special guest, Andrew. We're talking his Malek Tokens deck. Uh, Andrew, I was going through this deck list. Seems super sweet. Kind of give us an idea of how this deck actually came to a conception. Yeah, sure. So, um, when Malek was first released, it was back in Dragon's Maze. I was I had been playing Magic for about a year at that point. I got in about around Avacyn Restored. And... I had tried to play, you know, do the 
what my friends and I really played at that point was basically cards you have the format. And, you know, sure. and so it was, we didn't, we didn't, we would try to do standard, but, you know, just made some crappy standard decks and we, uh, <laughs> like, like all of us, like, so my favorite standard deck at that point was I had like a bunch of Seder fire dancers and spark. There jolts, you go. It, it was great. What, anyways, <laughs> it was, it was not good. And so, and I never really got to get out to FNM very much because just, you know, adult life. And life. so, <laughs> yeah. right. And so, uh, I started looking around. It's like, I really enjoy magic, but how I'm doing magic currently, uh, it's, it's either I'm, it's either too casual for me or it's too serious. I need to find some kind of middle ground. Right. And so I was, you know, reading different articles by different people and people started talking about like EDH and commander. I was like, what the heck is that? That sounds kind of interesting. So I read about it and, um, thought it was interesting. And And one of the cards from dragon's maze that had just come out at that point, uh, was Melek, and I was like, "This is this is an incredible card. I could never play it anywhere because it's bad. Sure. It's bad everywhere. <laughs> it's a six drop that doesn't affect the board when it comes down. Has no protection. Just eats a murder or a doom blade or you know, whatever else." <laughs> and so I was like, "How could I play this?" So, and I was at this point, I'm just trying to talk my playgroup into playing EDH as well, and they okay. were incredibly hesitant. They just like you know they didn't like the singleton aspect of it they didn't like yep. having to have 100 cards you know these this sort of thing and so i uh am stubborn and so i was like fine <laughs> you guys don't have to i'm just this is going to be the this is going to be what i'm going to play when we all play together and so i would didn't even use melek as my commander because i can't have a commander if no one else does and i was sure. just like oh, this crappy just spell slinger deck i went to like my local game store and I went through like their bulk bin and, you know, bought a bunch of stuff for like 25 cents, a bunch of little crappy blue and red, you know, instant and sorcery rares. And, yep. uh, eventually like it apparently looked like I was having, having enough fun or it looked interesting enough to embarrass my play group. Like, you know what? We're going to try this too. So Melik was you suckered him in, right? Suckered him in. It, like it was, it was the long con. Um, and now that's all basically any of us play. Like, you know, one, one, <laughs> seriously, one of my, one of the guys in the group is actually, uh, he's on the EDHRAC cast now, um, Matt Morgan. And so, so he was, I got him back into magic. So if you listen to that podcast, uh, I'm yep, the reason yep. he's there. So <laughs> no, not really, but, um, <laughs> so, so we, uh, so anyway, so Melek, uh, I liked it. It was good. It was fun. And I was just doing kind of a normal spell slinger thing. And then commander 2015, I think it was, was released. Sure. And it was, they had the experience counter commanders, right? And so, oh, yeah. uh, Mizzix got released. Mizzix got oh, released. Mizzix. And I looked at Mizzix and I looked at Malik, I held them up to each <laughs> other, and I said, there is literally no reason that I could, I should run Malik over Mizzix. Mizzix is just absolutely. Better. It's just better. It's better. Just it's, better. It's better in so many ways. And partially, yep. like, not only is the art better, it's on like this, like this, like, like she goblin riding a spider mech shooting fire and lightning. <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredible, right? And in Melek is just this weird, literally weird thing. I don't I don't know what they with, are. with a series with a series of tubes behind it, which I right. assume is the internet. Right, and, and if I remember right, if I remember, right, I'm not much of a lore guy. I think like his claim, Melek's claim to fame is that they got murdered by Rouseric. Like, okay, cool. That that's you know, yeah, cool for you. Congrats. <laughs> And so, and, and so it slowly, uh, I took, I replaced Mizzix, I replaced Melek with Mizzix, you know, and he got Makes shuffled sense. to the 99. And as 
I added more and more stuff and required more cards. He eventually got cut. Yep, he got <laughs> closer to the cutting board until finally got cut. And so, um, fast forward a few years, uh, I've I was started writing uh, about just different budget decks for Ediatrek. And one of the ones that uh, readers chose, I had gave them a poll and put Melek on there. Just like, ah, oh, you know, maybe maybe people choose it. I, I love the deck, so sure. maybe those people choose it. And they did. And so I was like, how can I make this interesting and not just like a normal spell slinger build? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think a token deck could be kind of fun, actually. I don't know if it'll be any good. I just want to do a bunch of stuff like Talran's Invocation <laughs> and yep. Molten Birth and, you know, crap like that. It's all super cheap. And so whatever added it on there. And that was like, God, it probably was two years ago, and just promptly forgot about it. Um, but well, it's one of the tokens are fun, right? But yeah, tokens are ew. fun. I I'm not a big creature guy for the most part. Typically, I like my my my, my instants and sorceries and enchantments and stuff. But oh yeah, we're we're familiar. If any of you guys ever play Andrew <laughs> out in the wild, ha don't play against his Tobrand deck. If you see it hit the field, run away. Uh, you should definitely not kill it. Don't don't hit it with a hero's downfall or any kind or path to exile. No, you definitely. It, it's a friendly Tobrand deck. Yeah, it's gimli. It's like a Lord of the rings thing right that's totally what yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah that's a thing <laughs> so um but it was one of those ones it just uh it's stuck in the back of my mind and you know one day year and a half later just felt this like little prodding in the back of my mind like i never really stopped brewing ducks i don't think honestly it's one of those things i yep. just pause and then I enter into a phase of like where I'm like seriously brewing a deck, and so I was hadn't brewed anything in a while. I was wanting something new, and I was like, ah, I've always kind of wanted to revisit this. And I, I'm curious yep. if I actually built this out on paper, what it would be like. And so I started acquiring pieces, and just like you know what, I'm just going to do it. I had a you know had the had some money saved up to be able to do that and start trading for the pieces and. Uh, ended up building it, um, basically finishing it for the most part at uh, GP OKC, and okay. oh my goodness, uh, it played it and immediately was like, okay, yeah, this is this is what I want to be doing with Magic. So it was oh, it was <laughs> awesome. just so much fun. So that's in a uh, very roundabout way how I built the Melic deck. Well, that's super cool. So if you guys are not familiar with Melic, which I would not fault you for, because we just talked about how sweet Mystics is. That's and true. it's like, if you're doing <laughs> Is It Spellslinger, you're probably using Mystics, because experience counters are just a broken mechanic that'll never come back. But Melic Is It Paragon is four colorless Is It, which is blue, red. It's a legendary creature, weird wizard, which I love that weird is a creature type. Right. That's awesome. Um, it's a 2-4, which is completely irrelevant, uh, and it states, play with the top card of your library revealed. Okay, cool. That's very uh, very familiar with your, like, Garruk's Horde, uh, your Oracle of Muldias. There's lots of cards throughout Magic that, hey, if you play with that top card of the library revealed, you know, sometimes you would say, well, is that giving my opponents too much information? Well, if you're playing is it tokens, you probably don't care about showing them that information because <laughs> they're probably undercutting it to begin with. But here's some cool stuff about it. You may cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or sorcery. Well, I, I've gone through the deck. There are a fair amount of those guys. Uh, but then the coolest thing is the end. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your library, copy it and then you may choose new targets for the copy i think we all know whenever you start copying spells that stuff gets out of hand real quick it's the most edh thing you can do you 
double things or triple things, you know, now that we're going to Theros and apparently yep. tripling is the new doubling. So yeah, for real. Cause you know, green needed triple mana. God. I thought green was super underpowered from a rant perspective. So if they're going to do uh, that, they need to print a triple Melic. Uh, that's just the thing that I'm going to go ahead and request right now. That's triple reverberate, whatever, something like that. It'd the, be great. Yeah. I mean, is there a, a suggestion box that we have to like write this on a scrap of paper and drop it in? I would like triple spells, please. Yes. And, and then maybe one day uh, a like courier pigeon swoops down and takes it back to Watsi in Seattle. I have a, I have a feeling that is, uh, I think I read something on blogatog where that's the actually way you're supposed to communicate with Morrow. So uh, we should definitely try that. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a mythic letter, Harry. <laughs> uh, so, so initial thoughts. Uh, you know, you have a low curve uh, at a slide above three CMC, but I think that is due to a lot of the X spells in here. I would venture to guess and we'll dive into it more when we get into the cards that realistically your cmc is probably five or six or more just because you're pouring mana into the x stuff because you a lot of the spells in here you don't want to do for x for one because that doesn't do anything uh mana pips you're literally almost spot on with it broken uh you know almost dead even to what you need uh and the land that can produce and from a cost perspective 275 to 400 so honestly this is extremely budget in my opinion for a commander deck you know i know that you know yourself and like tomer from goldfish uh there's a, there's a lot of content creators that write articles where it's like hey here's a 25 dollar budget yep. deck or 50 dollar budget deck it can be done but i've been playing edh long enough and it's like for the very good playable decks most of the time you're probably in that 200 dollars range which if you guys kind of think about it that's only an average of two dollars a card um you know most decks when it's like hey you should put this in there what's the cost two bucks oh okay that's fine it's just edh there's a hundred of them so right. it just stacks up <laughs> really really quickly uh so you know even like big tuck sometimes says oh yeah this is a super budget deck that i have gets it in tapped out or architect and it's like wow this thing's 550 dollars i had no idea it cost that much because the other thing i love about edh is just you kind of tweak it over time and you maybe got a pack of boosters and you threw a card in there and it goes up in value because i'm some weird vintage or legacy or modern thing um but yeah, no, I mean, if you guys wanted to build this deck, you could do it extremely affordably. And heck, the, the land package alone, if you kind of cut some of the actual good fetch lands, you could probably do this for close to 100. Would, would you say that's fair? Oh, 100%. That was actually something I was going to say. Like, the uh, land package in here is, I just happened to have some of that around because yep. I dismantled some other decks and I was like, well, that's I, the I, glory of EDH, right? I slowly acquired some of that kind of thing. And so it's like, well, if I have them in here, it's real, you know, the fetch lands are super good with Melic because it yep. gives you a way to, you know, try again at the top of your library. And so honestly, yep. a lot of this, especially since it's a two color deck, two color decks, you get away with just running a bunch of basics, honestly. That That's literally what I do. I, I don't think I run a single fetch in any of my two-color combinations except for uh, Boros and Rakdos. Oh, Those sure. are the only two that I do it just because they aren't the best at doing the whole ramp thing. Yeah. But all the other ones, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'd rather just... I mean, and honestly, I don't even run a whole lot of two-color lands in there. It's really just basics yeah. and a command tower. And then it's like, sure, if I have a scry land, if I have a temple laying around, I'll just put it in. Sure. But it's not something that I say, you have to have it for this deck or it will not function. <laughs> right. Yeah, This. Yeah. you get the, you can get this deck under under 100 bucks. I would say. 
pretty easily, honestly. And you could cut from there, but you'd start to you'd start to cut some of the more enjoyable cards, I think. But yeah, that's that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Cool. Well, guys, let's dive into this deck. Andrew, with this being your coup de gras, your baby, sure. why don't you start us off with the Rampant Grain Bill? What's your first card you want to talk about? Well, I think the first card... So, the thing with establishing... So, the grain is the establishing, right? And... Honestly, yep. most of the establishing the board cards here are kind of boring. It's a lot. You have a lot of mana rocks. You know your yep. your soul rings, yours of signets, that sort of thing. Um, I think that uh, one of the better cards for this category, I would say, is Crystal Ball. Actually, uh, that that is one of mine too. <laughs> That's hilarious. Really? Nice. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen this card before, and it seems super sweet. Yeah, it's it's good. It's uh, so for those of you who don't know, Crystal Ball is a three uh, three mana. It's colorless artifact, and you pay one, and you tap it, and you get to scry two. Uh, so the reason it got added in originally is simply because, like I was saying, uh, with Melek, the top of your deck matters so much. And so the worst thing sure. you can have on top of your deck is you know, enchantment or a land or a creature. I mean, most of the deck is instant sorceries, but you're, there are going to be times where you have something on top of your deck that you don't want. And so yep. the scry two allows you to rearrange that. And that's which has helped give you another shot at it, um, at, at getting something you want up there. But what I've actually found is a lot of times is because is it doesn't have green, and because I don't run a lot of the really expensive uh, mana rocks. Uh, sure, I can have a, I can it can be a little bit tough to. I can get to six mana pretty easy, but after that, I'm still want to make land drops and uh, yep. you know just and just getting that that. Um, card select the card selection crystal ball gives you is is just great uh even early in the game uh, especially early, early in the game in fact so i think that that's why i i pick that as my as my go-to grain card yeah you know this coming in at slightly under 50 cents i look at this as a card that's good early mid and late it is because if you get it early game guys i i know we've all experienced Oh, this is a three land opening hand and I got a crystal ball. Oh, I'm sure I'll be fine. And then turn four comes around and it's like, crap, I didn't get a land. I didn't get a mana rock. And then it's turn five and then it's turn six. Yep. And then you just want to quit and go curl up in a ball. <laughs> so the nice thing with crystal ball and, you know, uh, Command Zone did a great episode on talking about uh, the different, how the stack works and the different phases and things that you can do with that. And having an upkeep phase before your draw yep. makes this card even better because, you know what, if I play this on turn three, I'm probably not going to use it on turn four, to be honest. I'm just going to see what I draw. But then if I don't get a land, probably <laughs> turn five upkeep. I'm going to pay, pay that one. I'm going to scry two, and I'm going to make sure I get a land, or at least I bottom some stuff that's like, I can't afford to cast this right now. Uh, this needs to go to later in the game. Uh, and then even mid-game, it's like, okay, I need some more stuff to kind of interact. I maybe need a, a board wipe, a spot removal. It works for that. And then late game, okay, I have my 25 lands. I'm ready to just combo off, and I'm ready to get nasty. Let me make sure I get my winning piece. So it, it fits so well 
beginning, middle, and end. The only thing I wish it did, now granted that would make the card too good as I wish it tapped for some sort of mana, oh my gosh, or yeah. even said colorless tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Sure. Like that that would even be fine. I don't think that would make it too busted or broken. Um, it's a card I haven't seen, but I could see in these colors and probably a lot of colors like your Boros decks uh, to where it's like land drops are so crucial. Mm -hmm. If you miss one, this is a good insurance policy. Definitely. That card selection and the card filtering it gives is so important to those decks that can't just uh, draw raw cards like granted it yep. this is an is it deck so it's gonna draw a bunch of cards too but yeah crystal ball is definitely i think a sleeper card in some of those decks uh that just struggle with just keeping up with the sheer card advantage that a lot of the decks in edh are able to put out yeah yeah no absolutely uh so that was technically my second card so my first card is a very very cool card i would say in any other I would say in any deck I own, this is a garbage card, but it makes sense for this deck because of Melek's ability. So we're talking Molten Birth. Um, so this is Colorless Red Red Sorcery, and it just simply states, guys, create two 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens, then flip a coin. I love me some flipping coins. I mean, I got me a Harvey Dent Two-Face coin. Really? when I was in Yeah, when I was in Shanghai in September, uh, I actually got, like, this gold dragon coin when I was at some museum. It's probably fake gold, but uh, <laughs> they told me it was real gold. Um, yeah, And then I even got one of the coins from, like, the John Wick movie. So I, I love me flipping some coins. And then it states, if you win the flip, you get to put that spell back in your hand. So the, the cool thing with that is that I look, so I look at this and normally when I looked at your grain, you had a lot of stuff that made tokens in here and yep. you may talk about some in your future cards. Normally when me and Big Tuck look at that, it would be like, oh, that would probably be more of a hops because it's going to blockers or you're going to start kind of hitting people for damage or uh -huh. kind of ward them off. Or, hey, it's yeast because you're going to dump a bunch of mana potentially into it and create a billion things for sure. it with your deck. With the way that a grain is, where it's establishing your board and kind of getting your board state set up, you're winning off of tokens. I mean, that that's how you're doing it. Right. So it actually, having tokens as a grain really makes sense. And I think that's something that everyone out there, you know, when you're kind of using Big Tux and Ice Formula, because, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback that it's refreshing, it's different, it's a unique way to look at it. I think this is a good way to look at this to where Bolton Birth, for me, would be a hops or a or not probably not a yeast card maybe a spice card because it's like i'm probably going to lose the flip coin because i'm terrible at it <laughs> uh, even though owning three i should be king um but just because we or andrew or anyone out there says a card is this it could be whatever you want it just depends on how your deck functions except for soul ring that's always a grain <laughs> for sure <laughs> No. Uh, so is there any thoughts you have on Molten Birth? Like, you know, has, has this been something where you've been able to win the coin flip a few times? I mean, I'm sure you've been able to, you know, have it on top of the library, uh, do it with Melek, uh, <clears> so that way, you know, you paid three to get four. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've definitely, uh, you know, lived the dream of making four elementals for, you know, three mana or whatever. But yeah, no, it's oh, actually it's a card uh, that I almost didn't put in there because uh, I don't love 
the whole coin flip thing. I just, I hate having to like, ah, have a coin on me, you know? And then you, you do the thing like, <laughs> who has a coin? Who has a coin? Oh, let's just roll the dice, you know? And, so, and I'm always like, you know what? Whenever they're like, roll the dice, I'm like, screw you. I'm roll, I'm flipping a coin. That's what the card says. <laughs> right? I don't want a judge to come over and DQ me. I mean, we all take EDH very seriously. <laughs> very, very seriously, yes. <laughs> so I, I almost didn't add it in simply because of that. But then I had, uh, yes, there were a couple other there was I can't remember what card it replaced. It was I had a copy of it just laying or like in my you know shoebox that I have in my closet. It's like you know what, let's just try it, and it it's it's done just well enough. It's not like incredible, but when you do win that coin flip, it feels really good because it's like hey, I uh, oh, yeah. didn't use a card to get these. I used mana, but you know, that's fine. I still have the card, so it's 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 very good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, what's your next ramp green card? My next graying card. Uh, so this one is one that could go in a couple of different places, I think. Uh, Primal Amulet is one oh, of yeah. my favorite cards. So it could, it's definitely a card that ends the game. But the thing of it is, is it's a card that's good in so many different uh, aspects yep. of the I mean, phases of the game. Because it decreases the cost of your instants and sorceries. And when you look at the deck, it's a lot of instants and sorceries. So it, it, it is a card that you use to set things up. So I, I would say definitely primary amulet. That was when that card got released. I, oh, that was, uh, that's probably my favorite card from Ixalan or whatever that, the, the, all those flip lands are super cool, but man, primary what? amulet. No, growing, growing rights is so much better. See, that means growing I to, rights is busted. That means I have to play green. <laughs> and oh, I, I'm like, I have like is. one actual green deck. Everything else is like, ah, I have some green in there, but uh, that that's funny. That's literally like how uh, we used to have a guy in our play group. Uh, he only had one deck that had green, and it was Ramos. And it's just because it was five colors. Every other deck was uh, Sands Green. He just hated green with a passion. Oh sure, I yeah, green and white are. Not my jam. If you put them together, I just basically straight won't play unless it's in five <laughs> colors, which I have a couple five color there decks. There you go. Uh, so if you guys aren't familiar with like Primal Amulet, it's four colorless and it's an artifact. Uh, it's a very good card, hence why it's at six dollars and fifty cents. Incident sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast, and then it says whenever you cast an incident sorcery, you get to put a charge counter on it, and then if there are four or more charge counters on it, you may remove those counters and transform it. And so, after you get those charge counters on it, it transforms into Primal Wellspring, which is a land. So, it goes from an artifact to a land. So, it goes from something that's easy to remove to something that it's only going to get removed if the person in front of or across from you is a dick. Um, and then it has a, a sweet effect. Tap, add one mana of any color. And then when that mana is spent to cast an instant or sorcery, copy that spell and you get to choose new targets for the copy. Uh, we talked about this card when I we did my Jeskai Savine deck. Really, this this is a commander EDH standard if you are doing Spell Slinger. There is zero reason for you not to run it other than if you're trying to stay on a budget. It could be one of those cards that's going to eat up maybe uh, you know the money that it took to upgrade maybe two or three or four other cards. But if you have the six, you know, seven dollars to get one, you definitely should for every um, Spell Slinger deck out there. Totally agree. Cool. Uh, so my last one is a card that's not sexy. It's not cool, but we've literally never talked about it on this cast. And I think with this deck, it functions 
beautifully. And I'm actually surprised Squee doesn't put it in his Reese deck. It could be probably because of the price, because it's almost eight bucks. We're talking Skull Ooh. Clamp. Oh, um, yes. this, this, uh, I have had this in and out of my Reese deck often. Really? I love it and I hate it because I don't like the degenerate killing my own stuff, but I love the cards. So. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it, it's been in there. It's out of there. I have one on reserve. It sits in the box. <laughs> there you go. So this is an artifact equipment, and it says equipped creature gets plus one, plus, or plus one, minus one. So funny story here. Uh, Big Tuck loves to tell this story, and Andrew, you may know if this is true or not. Uh, I, I don't know when, ex you know, uh, from a year perspective, when you got into Magic. But apparently, the story behind the design of this card is they designed it, and it was plus one, plus one, and uh, they tested it, and the design team was like, too strong, way too strong. You guys have to make this thing a little bit worse. So they're like, okay, let's do plus one, minus one, and then they printed it. And it's like, wait, you just made this card that much better. So if you guys are not familiar with this card, you might be being like, Mr. Combo, what are you talking about? It's because of this. Whenever a quip creature dies, draw two cards. So instead of just doing plus one, plus one, to where then they have to have some other sack outlet, they basically built in a sack outlet on this card. And the equip cost also only costs one. So basically, you, play, you pay one to cast it, and then you pay one to equip, Draw two if you have tokens, which this deck is littered with it. Um, and Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong. If there was anything that was just like, hey, pay a colorless and draw two cards, would you do it? Uh, I'm I'm going to go with a hard yes. <laughs> yeah. Murderers! I, 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 <laughs> goblins don't have feelings. That's what they're there My to do. They're do. there I'm to sweet. die, I guess. <laughs> they're there to die. Yeah. Um, yeah, Skull Clamp, super busted. Um, I actually, surprisingly, I don't think I run it in any decks. The only deck that I have that would even kind of work with it would be my Shirai deck, but because uh, I run a lot of one toughness creatures sure. and one power creatures to use her effect. But a kind of weird rules interaction is that if you actually equip Skull Clamp to one of those creatures and then it dies, when it dies, it actually dies as a two power creature. So Shirai's ability doesn't trigger. So you actually can't run a Skull Clamp oh, in that deck. Oh, that's a weird interaction. Okay, good enough. Yeah, it is super, it's super weird. Because uh, I actually saw Shirai piloted, I think, by Tomer or Richard about three years ago on a, on a command class on goldfish guys um and he actually made the comment i'm not running what's it gauntlet of power or cage or not gauntlet of power cage sun in the deck because even though it's plus one plus one on the battlefield once they die they actually die as two power not the one power when they hit the yard um so it's some weird static check thing uh so Anyways, uh, yeah, Skull Clamp, I'm, I, I, you don't even need to talk about it. I'm sure this thing's done work for you. Yes. Um, especially like we talked about Crystal Ball when you kind of need to dig. Skull Clamp is one of those cards, early game. If that's in your opening hand in three lands, you're not going to feel bad about it. And if you don't draw any lands, it's like, well, maybe I waste one of my X spells or do a Molten Birth and draw some cards to find those lands. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> So what is your last grain card? Last one is a boring one that if you uh, <laughs> do budget at all, then it's probably one that you know about. Wayfarer's Bobble. It oh, is, yeah. It's just, it's just great. Okay, so I'll read it real quick. Wayfarer's Bobble is a one-cost artifact. It reads, pay two mana, tap it, sacrifice it, and you search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. Uh, so this card is obviously just ramp 
that any color that's not green can use. So it's great. Uh, it's nice. It was one of those things, though, later in the game, typically, you, it's not a card you want to see. But in this deck, yep. actually, uh, there are times that you do or do want to see or you're completely okay seeing it. Uh, there have been times that I've cast this, you know, once I have Mal- Malak out on turn 7, turn 8, something like that. And I actually just hold it there. I don't. I don't crack it, even if I could have, because I want to save it for the shuffle effect. You know, wait sure. until there's a time that I don't want that top card, and then I'll use it, and then hope hope to you know luck into uh, something cool off the top. So it's just kind of an interesting uh, corner case that you don't typically see with that card in this deck. No, no, I think that's fair, and I think that's something as you build a Melic deck, whether you do it this token strategy or even standard Spellslinger, I think having enough scry and shuffle effects um, or top deck manipulation, you kind of need an abundance of that stuff because nothing feels worse. And I mean, I've definitely felt it with an Oracle of Moldiah. You know, I have her out, top card's revealed, it's a land, but I I draw for turn and it's not a land. And you're like, oh, well, (laughs) this this really nice card didn't do anything for me. And and I'm sure that even feels that way with Melek. Even if you do have a sweet enchantment on top, it's like, well... I'm I'm glad I get to look at your pretty face, but I can't I can't interact with you in any way, shape, or form. Right. So definitely having uh, a lot of ways to do that. And you know the funny thing is, I think Bobble got reprinted in. Uh, oh gosh, I feel like it got reprinted in a master set. Um, and I actually had I, I believe so. Don't crucify me. Three people that are listening to this. Um, so I I actually had like ten or fifteen copies of it because I think it's a common. Um, and I thought it had zero value, and I think I just gave them away. Oh, wow. uh, and here I am looking at it, and they're two dollars and thirty cents. Yep. So uh, don't don't come to this uh, podcast <laughs> if you want to know about specking because I know nothing. It's it's one I used to be I included in. Basically every non-green deck I ever uh, wrote an article about, and I think it was about a year ago, it just popped, and I have not been able to stick it in a deck since, which is really unfortunate, because it's like, oh, there's so many decks that want it, and it was just a good, generically powerful card that also happened to be uh, a good budget card, and uh, I can't put it in my articles anymore, because my articles have a, the whole stipulation is that you I can't use any cards that cost more than a dollar and it does yep. now. And it's, oh, it's magic has got expensive guys. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it just has to do with the popularity of commander, True. which is obviously why wizards is putting so much focus in the oh, commander products and, uh, yes. and shoving commanders into every single product, uh, which, you know what, as a brewer, I love it. It's always giving me fresh things to do. Uh, but yeah, it can make some of those cards that were EDH standards really expensive. And then the ones that were budget, then like back to like mid level, you know, like soul ring still like, I think close to $5 which is ridiculous um, but it just keeps going up in price because you know commanders keep playing yep. so um, that, yeah, that's just the way it is that card's gonna Why? be five dollars until the inevitable heat death of the universe like, <laughs> like we're gonna have world war three happen and those are gonna be you know currency or something <laughs> I, in, in the whatever wasteland is left of the old United States. So yeah, it'll basically be like that scene in Book of Eli when he needed to get his battery charged, and he's at there like at the bargain bin, uh, trying to like get get the guy to, to charge up his iPod. Uh, soul rings will be used in that currency exactly. uh, to charge to charge your iPods. Everyone, exactly. So. Perfect. Very very first. <laughs> well. That's going to wrap up the Rampant Grain Bill, guys. Now we're going to head over to that board state and hop profile. Uh, I'm going to start this one off. Yeah, totally. 
and, and people could say it's a boring card. I actually think it's the biggest hurt feel good card in Commander. Mm. We're going to talk about Arcane Denial. Yeah. Uh, so this is a colorless blue instant and it says counter target spell which is the feel bad portion nobody wants their spell countered and you know this is technically even better than a counter spell because counter spells too blue this is just colorless blue easier on the colors but here's where the feel goods come in its controller may draw up to two cards at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep so it basically says hey you don't get this card but I'm going to give you two cards, and then I'm going to get a card. Um, I look at this as two mana, stop the scary thing. Yes. I'm going to replace your scary thing with two things, and it even replaces itself in your hand. Um, it's at $1.79. Honestly, guys, if you're someone that says, you know what, I only want to have one or two counter spells in a deck, this should be one of them. I totally agree. I think it's. Uh, I even think that's one, though... It has the new art, I think it is, I'm going to check this, the new art's $1.79, I think there's some really, really horrible old art, uh, <laughs> let me check, and, oh, I can't, that doesn't, oh, Architect isn't showing it, from Alliances. I got some Sharpies to write on it with, we can make it look a little better. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm, I, when I type it into EDH reg, it shows the cheapest one, I'm I'm assuming, and you may even know this, I, I assume EDH rec, when you type in a card, it just gives you the cheapest copy. Um, but when I type it in, it has some really tacky art from M25. It's like a buck. It's not good. Uh, and and it's, and it's a buck twenty nine. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, still over a dollar. But I mean, yeah. What are your thoughts on the card? I love it. I, it is a card that has saved my butts uh, <laughs> many many times. And I, yep. it's one of those things you don't want to make help your opponents draw cards, but. You only the, the trick with this card is you only use it when something it, when it's going to be something you're going to have a really hard time coming back from. And so usually yep. it's like if your tokens are about to get board wiped, or if somebody's trying to kill your melek, then yeah, you arcane denial. Um, if somebody's just catching, cat, you know, casting some big dragon, like no, you probably shouldn't arcane denial. It's just it's just kind of learning what your deck can overcome and what it can't and so you use arcane denial to counter the things that you can or you could do it the really fun mr combo way and use this when there is a, a nekuzar on the table ah, yes. just to make the person lose two life or even funnier after you've been milling everyone like i do with alter of the brood and they only have two cards left in their deck <laughs> you counter whatever they're about to do to win the game and then they lose because it's hilarious. Oh, oh my goodness! So. Yeah, the <laughs> Murphy, uh, one of the guys from my play group who you, we all played with at uh, GPOKC, he still talks about that you killing him with Altar of the Brood, <laughs> and he is like bound and determined to add that card into all of his decks. Essentially, he's like, "I'm this is just is incredible." What I an impression! Do, uh, right, you made an impression. I know. This is good. I know. Well, you know, because uh, guys, uh, Andrew actually made an appearance at our debate back in December, and I actually that night, Andrew milled out 
three to four people with Alter the Brood oh, really? in two different decks. Yeah, one was Karametra was the one that Murphy saw, and then I did it in my Shirai deck as well. Uh, I'm telling you guys, Alter the Brood. See, Josh Lee Kwai is the reason Vilek and Ori is almost $35, $40. I want to be the reason Alter the Brood is maybe <laughs> eight or nine. There it is. Let's help Mr. Combo inflate the economy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's my job. Well, what is your first uh, hot profile card? Okay, well, my first hot profile card is Crush of Tentacles. So, yes. Cru Crush of Tentacles, for those who don't know, it is a six drop mythic from, gosh, was it Oath of, or uh, something, Oath of the Gatewatch, I think it was. Um, it, it's a four colorless, two blue sorcery. Um, it has a surge cost which is important. Uh, the surge cost is three and two blue. Uh, surge is, you may cast a spell for its surge cost if you or a teammate has cast another spell this turn. So the actual text of the card is return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. If Crush of Tentacles surge cost was paid, put an 8-8 eight, eight blue octopus creature token onto the battlefield. Yeah. So yeah. how you're typically using this is you are going to ponder or opt or yep. something like that to something cheap something cheap <laughs> to enable the search cost and then you use this to get rid of everybody's gross and nasty boards and replace their gross nasty boards with a giant 8-8 octopus and hopefully crush them underneath uh it's giant tentacles it's it's a wonderful card it is very underplayed um i yes it has been an all-star uh for me in this deck have yeah we actually the octopus tokens those sound difficult to come across no they actually printed a ton of the octopus really? tokens oh uh, is it like the opposite of the gearhead problem yes oh. yeah we always kind of complain about how that gearhead precon deck only came with one rhino token oh, sure. yet a billion 1010 eldrazi tokens <laughs> did it really uh -huh. <laughs> even yeah even though that's only on a cast trigger it's not even like you can blink it or create copies of it and you enter the battlefield oh it's frustrating oh that doesn't make um, sense huh but yeah, we actually talked about Crush of Tentacles on our Temet Vizier of Tokens deck. Oh, really? That's Big Tux Azorius Tokens. Yeah, it's an all-star. And you know what? I look at it this way. It's a fair rift, because it does everyone, and then you get an 8-8 out of it. Um, and, and like Andrew talked about, guys, you could you, you want to cast like a really, really cheap, like one or two drop spells uh, to get a little bit of value, and then cast it for its surge cost. There's actually a cool little interaction where you could actually cast it for four, uh, because you cast soul ring and then you tap the soul ring to pay uh into the surge cost which then you know you only need three other mana uh so in, in essence you only had to tap four lands uh to be able to surge it and get that eight eight uh which i always find kind of hilarious right. but no that's that's a good card and it's one at a dollar 79 if you can't afford a cyclonic rift which it once again keeps going up in price uh that's a that's a good one to go to with some upside oh 100 percent. and here's the thing okay this is soapbox moment cyclonic rift it is a wonderful powerful card that ruins interesting games it if cyclonic rift had a uh, sound effect attached to it it would be a sat trombone i'm not like, kidding that's what was going in my head while you were describing that's so funny it it's it, but really it's like i i cannot count the amount of games that i've had where it's like we have this really interesting back and forth you know everybody's been on top and you know and then trying to catch up and it's going every it's 
going really well. It's just this fun, interactive, enjoyable game. And then somebody overloads a cyclonic rift. And then the game, this all of the air gets sucked out of the balloon. Just <laughs> Everybody starts going, you motherfucker. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, you won, I guess. Like, cool, that was... Glad we did this for an hour for you to cast a single card <laughs> that just just nullifies everything else we did. So what I'm That's saying is, boys and girls, Crush of Tentacles is far more interesting. If not, it's not as powerful. Not anywhere near Amen. as powerful. But it is far more interesting. And you know what? EDH is about being interesting. That's the one format where you can kind of do that. So, you know, why not? That's fair. Yeah, there you go. There this you go. This soapbox message is squee approved. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are a lot of people that disagree, and that's totally okay. But yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, what? I'm not about the games going like way, way longer after a rift, unless it was just like to save your life type sure. thing. Uh, but you know what? If you're gonna rift and then like win the game, uh, like we talked about last week in our news segment, that I did that using my nickel bolus deck, I rifted and then I ended up winning in in two turns. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah, because totally. you know what? Game's got to end. I'm a- I'm actually one of those people that i like doing volumes of edh games not just a long two to three hour game oh no sure there have been games i've been stuck in where i have you know what if if, if a cyclonic rift will end this game end this <laughs> godforsaken nightmare that i am stuck in then you Let know what leave. please like just cyclonic rift me into the sun just like i'm done you know um that's so funny. yeah so it, there, there's a place for it a game's gotta end so sometimes it's yep, okay absolutely Cool. Uh, so my next one's actually a very cool card that I have not seen before. Uh, so I'm glad you have it in here. Uh, it doesn't actually list a price on Architect. Uh, I guess I could actually switch it from Card Kingdom to TC. Oh, it's 15 cents. So Hey-o. not breaking the budget. Uh, we're, we're calling tell. We're talking about telling time. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, This is a colorless blue instant. Uh, Uncommon. Uh, Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one into your hand, one on top of your library, and one on bottom of your library. That is pretty cool. It's basically like, hey, why don't you go ahead and top... And you get a card, a little card advantage. It's going to replace itself. And then you could put the thing that you really don't need on the bottom. And then you got the next thing on top. And so I think it's one of those things with Melek. You want those instant and sorceries on top. So you basically set this up to where it's like, okay, I want the land to hand. I want the instant sorcery on top. And I want the enchantment on bottom. Or I want the creature or the planeswalker on bottom. You could do it however you need to. Very cool card. Oh, yes. And it's instant speed, uh, which... It was a very long way because you use it early game too. If you're just digging for that yep. land, you're like, oh, you know, what? I gotta use. I'd rather use this later, but you know, I gotta use it now. And it's, uh, it's, yes, it is a uh, very good 15 cents. Uh, it is. It's <laughs> this card is basically if Sensei's Divining Top in Brainstorm had a an ugly baby that costed one mana <laughs> extra. <laughs> you know, then that this is probably what that is. <laughs> yep. And, and then I will make also make a point, guys. So when you're looking at Andrew's deck, you know, I kind of talked about like, okay, so normally the way me and Big Tuck kind of think of things, you know, the grain bill, there's a lot of producing tokens in there. And but in this deck, that's kind of what you want to do in that early game. Um, or, you know, that is kind of how you quote unquote establish your board. Hops, you know, we always relate to how you're going to interact with everyone around you. Well, this deck is so dependent on Melik seeing a sorcery or instant on top of the library. That when you look at Andrew's list, it's going to be a lot of card draw, a lot of deck manipulation, you know, uh, counter spells, obviously. But I think that just kind of goes into it to where, you know, 
Opt in one deck can be a grain. Well, opt in this deck is more of a hop. And and, and it's because Melek is so dependent on having those top cards kind of cycle through. So uh, I really appreciate you picking this deck because this is really kind of helping diversify and kind of show a, a lot of our listeners and when people actually go look at the article, uh, you know, just, hey, things, things don't have to fit in this bubble. EDH is a very cool, fluid environment where you can fit into a lot of bubbles. Definitely, so. totally agree. Uh, cool. Well, what's your second hop card? My second hop card is uh, Release the Gremlins. So, okay. Release the Gremlins is a, an XX red sorcery. Uh, it says destroy X target artifacts, and then you create X 2 2 red gremlin creature tokens. Uh, so, here's the thing I want you to th- if you think back on your most recent EDH game, if you think about how many artifacts were running around just just casually in that game, doesn't even doesn't even need to be like you're playing a Brea deck or a Psy deck or an Urza deck or sure. anything like that. Every deck has some amount of artifacts because artifacts are just powerful cards that, you know, ramp you and do all kinds of other artifacty goodness. And so your deck needs to have a way to interact with tokens and or tokens, sorry, interact with artifacts and finding a way to that interacts with artifacts, but while also creating tokens is exactly what you want to be doing. So there, there might be games where there aren't a ton of targets or there aren't targets and it just kind of sits there in your hand, but I would wager that the amount of games where you have multiple targets uh, multiple important targets at that for this card are going to far outweigh the times that you're just kind of stuck not doing anything with it. So I'm going to agree with you 100%. But here's the thing. I think this card in any other deck is a trash card. Oh, 100%. Because, because of the double X. Sure. Double X is so painful. The only reason, because I actually looked at this card and I was like, gosh, is this something I have in the bottle capping to maybe replace it? But it works in this deck because if it's on the top of the library, or if you have a way to put it back on the top of the library, you could do X for two to where you're going to end up paying what would that be five mana mm-hmm. and you're going to get to destroy two artifacts and create two two twos but then you get to copy it yep. so really you're paying five mana for four and four yep. that's a very good rate but I, I i feel like if this is a card that you end up getting into your hand it's a feel bad because it's like man i really don't want to pay even if it's uh 11 mana for five and five that's that's not great um, but I, I think in this deck, it man, it works really well with Melek. Uh, and of course, another complaint I have is it needs to have better flavor text. It needs to say something like, "You don't <laughs> feed the gremlins after midnight." <laughs> right? I need, don't get the gremlins wet. Uh, I need like some. I have to. These are some of the only tokens I haven't been able to find for this deck. I need some like Mogwai tokens or or whatever. That oh, that'd be, be amazing. Perfect. Because there aren't very many things that create gremlin tokens. This is one of the only ones, I think. Uh, But no, I totally agree with you. Like, this is not a card that you love to see. It's one that, honestly, I don't think I've ever cast it for more than X being two, so for more than five mana. Um, I almost always use it as a just 
almost a shatter that just happens to create a two-two gremlin. I use it to yep. you know pick off somebody's Aetherflux Reservoir or sure. you know, stuff like that, or their you know if I'm feeling a little salty, their Soul Ring or their you know, <laughs> you know crap like that. And so and it just happens to give you a a token with it, and so it felt just kind of like it flavorfully you know matched what the deck was doing. So it just was a yep. just kind of a good inclusion. I yeah, you know, and I, I think it's just one of those things, you know, if people are like, well, why would they print that card if it's so bad? Why is it a rare? Here's the thing. If it just said X red and it was all the same effects, because you guys have to remember, this was printed in a standard set. That would be absolutely busted be nuts, yeah. for standard. Uh, I think if this card was printed exclusively for EDH, it might be like double red X yeah, I think or, totally you know, you know, so- something like that. Um, it's just, you know, us as commander players, since we are not the quote unquote competitive format, even though someone should send out the memo to Oklahoma City because that's all that I saw first day. <laughs> no joke. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's just something to kind of keep in mind. You know, once again, it's a good card for a budget. There's a lot of double X spells out there. Um, and it's just one of those things like, OK, if I want to just pay a quarter and deal with the double X, I'll do it. Uh, or if I'm willing to pay possibly five to ten times that cost to get probably the single x artifact removal or single x uh, gremlin creation you know those options are out there um so my last hot profile is once again a very boring card but we've never talked about it i don't run it in a single deck and i don't know why but it breaks the color pie we're talking about pongnify there it is yep (laughs) this is a blue instant and because you know what guys blue is extremely underpowered i think we need to you know run one of those uh telethons to, to help support blue because it doesn't have enough, you know, it, it really needs help. It doesn't have ramp because, you know, uh, being able to have your islands tap for an additional isn't enough for them. No. Um, you know, it doesn't have card draw brainstorm. You know, I think that's a green card. Uh, so Pongnify mana and destroy anything. Yeah. So Pongnify, you pay a blue. It's an instant and it just says destroy target creature. It can't be regenerated and its controller gets to get a three, three green ape creature token onto the battlefield. Uh, was this printed in uh, Planner Chaos? I think it was. Or t- Time Spiral or anything like that? I think it was pl- printed in pl- Planner Chaos and then Wizards decide to make a, basically an- another version that's an exact copy of it in Return to Ravnica. So yeah, yeah, I, ugh, man, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's such a good card. I totally, yeah, yeah. You know, I think any type, especially in our format, any one mana get rid of a creature, whether it's to destroy, why it has all the exile effects. And Path is the one, Andrew, I don't know if you've seen, the, uh, this is going to be a sidebar, that real sweet, sweet Magic Fest promo art oh, it's beautiful. Uh, for this year. Oh, oh my goodness. gosh, yes. it's gorgeous. Yes, uh, And looks- you know what, I'm, gl- and I'm glad they did that because I will at least do a Magic Fest this year. I think the only one that's kind of close to you guys would be Memphis, if, oh, you, if you guys ended up so doing that. Away. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing I know. close to us. Uh, w- come on, man, come Wizards. I know. I, you know. I'm hoping that they actually do Command Fest this year, and maybe they list Kansas City, St. Louis, or Oklahoma City. Give us no. something well, in the Midwest. Hell, Des Moines, any of them. Des Moines. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think anyone lives in Des Moines. Wichita. I mean, there's a lot of people in Wichita, <laughs> right? I mean, there's. Yeah. It's, it's on a. Uh, God, what is that? Seven Nations Army. So uh, whatever. 
White Stripes. How about, how about, white Stripes. How about, how about it's not a White Stripes song. You Seymour, can have a how about there. Seymour, Missouri? I, I think there's a ton, big EDH population yeah, there. there it is. Hey, the movie uh, Almost Famous has Topeka in it. Let's go. Hey, yeah, there you go. From. That's where I'm uh, from. But yeah, no, basically those one mana removal guys. The Here's the thing, though, like we talked about, and I think we've talked about it on past episodes. The lower the curve, the more expensive physically the card is going to cost. Yep. Uh, Pongnify is almost five bucks. Ah, man. Source to Plowshare is actually, I think, the most cost-effective of all the single mana removal spells, because Path to Exile is almost $5 as well, mm. if not more. Yep. Um, so, you know, just know as you're building your deck, it's one of those things. If you want your curve to be low, expect to shell out that cash. But if you're okay having a little bit higher curve, you know, running 50-plus ways to generate mana, including your lands, then you know what? You can get three drops and four drops that'll help do a similar effect. Yep. I have actually a question for you guys while, while we're on this subject. So now blue having these one drop, you know, destroy creatures effects is, is very, very powerful, sure. obviously. Uh, but black is what's kind of known, you know, for having creature, creature kill. Uh, if sure. you were running a Demir deck, uh, okay. would you, what would be your first, you know, three, uh, creature removal spells like target pinpoint removal spells. Mm, man. So uh, um, I think it depends on your meta to an extent. Sure. Um, just because Black recently has gotten some very very good um, removal spells, that, but they're CMC dependent sure. or power dependent. Totally. Uh, so you know if if I'm you know looking on EDH rec right now, shameless plug. Um, you know, like Price of Fame is a good one, but yeah. it has to target a legendary creature, but then it's still only two mana. Um, I know Big Tuck's a big Vraska's Contempt fan, uh, but and that's an exile effect. I'm actually a humongous murder fan. Oh, you're right. I love, yeah, I love running murder in decks. I think it's actually extremely underplayed. Uh, but then, you know, there's like malicious, malicious aff uh, affliction. Um, it, it's, it's kind of hard. You know, the fatal push is only one mana sure uh, but it's cmc dependent so yeah. i think that's the challenge is i think if we just kind of put it into a vacuum i think you'd have to go pongnify probably uh what's the new murder card uh that came out uh that's coming out in theros beyond death uh, uh, drag to the underworld there we go. Yep. So that's the one that can, can kind of get lower down and be cheaper than murder if you have good. devotion or a particular creature. So I think that I think that and murder and pongnify would probably be there mm. just in a vacuum. Yeah. Now, granted, depending on your meta, you know, uh, I think a lot of these other ones like the fatal pushes of the world, mm. like a cast down, uh, even a defile could be good sure. in a Demir deck because you're probably going to have four swamps sure. maybe six so you're paying one mana to give something minus yeah. four minus four or minus six minus six mm -hmm. that's that's really really powerful yeah. uh you could always go victim of the night to <laughs> the non-vampire non-werewolf yeah. non-zombie go for the throw uh, yeah. So, yeah so i think that's the thing is when you look at black a lot of the i would say two or less removal uh just get rid of creature spells it's going to be text dependent because there's mm -hmm. going to be some clause sure. in there and i would add in too like the ones that are and you can look at the text and see what's going to be most likely so typically on a creature one like that if it's a two drop i'd say i want a two drop that's non-artifact because mm -hmm. that'll destroy most anybody's commander at very least 
yeah. then from there, you can go and move out and get almost every creature out there. So you can pick and choose your two drops. I think some of them are much more worthwhile than others. Yep, totally. And anything that allows them not to be regenerated, as I've uh, run into Duff's Elf Ball deck recently, would like to have a few of those where you can't regenerate target creature when you yep, destroy sure. it. That's fair. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because yeah. I would like, if I were to do it, I'd be Pongify, Rapid Hybridization, uh, and Reality Shift before I do any black spell, which is crazy. Because really? It, yeah. Because really? it's one mana, one mana, two mana, all instant. Oh, and that's you fair. Just, like, it, it's just crazy to me that blue gets to kind of break the color pie like that. And, you know, not that black's a slouch by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like blue is better at the thing that. Than, better than black at the thing that black's supposed to be good at is what it feels like anyway sorry that, yeah. was, a, that was a sidebar i know i, I but. think they're better on a small scale but i think you could build a destroy creature deck out of black cards oh 100 with all the board wipes and everything sure totally agree yeah um all right well what's your last hot profile card my last hot profile card actually okay so funny thing is i think i actually put this in the wrong section so i was trying to oh, do some okay. of this for my phone and so there are a couple cards on this on my list that got stuck in the wrong places is definitely one of them um stolen by the fae stolen by oh the yeah fae. okay so yeah it ended up ended up under the uh grains somehow and i'm not entirely sure why I, yeah it, so it's funny when i was going through your deck and i saw that and i was like huh yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Home. It makes tokens, but it does this other thing. So, yep. so what is Stolen okay. by the Fae do? So Stolen by the Fae is a new card from Eldraine. It is X blue blue sorcery, and it's return target creature with converted mana cost X to its owner's hand. You create X one one blue fairy creature tokens with flying. So it's another one kind of like release the gremlins. Uh, sure. that you have that x cost so that's you know not the best thing but the thing of it is is it's you get uh it only has one x and so it's significantly yep. better on that and you uh, get a you get more tokens and they're they're evasive tokens um, sure. which helps and so i'm not typically using this on somebody's you know gigantic game ending you know, Blightsteel Colossus or something. I'm using this on your Cryptgast. I'm using this on Fauna Shaman. I'm using this on Hermit Druid. You know, and so it's just that bounce and bouncing just along. It's it's like it's almost like you're you're tempoing them out of the game a little bit. You're sure, and then you're just creating a couple one ones. And uh, it's I think in a lot of decks, it's not a card I would want to play. Um, so oh so i got a confession to make i got a confession <laughs> uh this is on my cutting block uh here here's the only reason it's on my cutting block okay. uh, and i'll just give one sentence uh and then i'll get in more into it later sure. i don't like that it has to be the exact converted mana cost no, totally. uh, if it said converted mana cost x or less mm -hmm. i would be super hard for this card uh but the fact that it has to be the exact like you said you're doing it for probably cmc four to six Mm -hmm. but what if it's late game and you got a billion mana it'd be great if you could do x for 20 and sure. still bounce that four or six cmc uh i you know i've become recently a big proponent of mana sync sure um and and this could be it you know there could be a blightsteel colossus uh but then it's gonna feel real bad if maybe you just have a token coming at you and it's like i guess i do x for zero so i don't die 
Um, that, 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 that's not, that's, that, that doesn't feel great. Uh, but I do agree getting that flying evasion is huge. You would think in EDH, we'd have a lot of decks that have flyers, but we really don't. Uh, Like, especially when you go into draft and like, if that's the format you came from, like flyers are so important. Yes. But for some reason, everyone that comes to EDH, they're just like, ah, I don't need flyers. I'd rather have a land of war elves. Right. Uh, no, totally agree. I'm so very yeah, very attached uh, to land or else. Yeah, I think yeah, changing it to where it would have the or less would be a huge thing, or changing it to an instant. I think changing it to an instant would have probably been too good, but uh, yeah, but yeah. So that that does hurt it. There, there are times, especially if you're casting it off the top, um, you, you're copying it. You know, you got to hope that there are two people with you know cards that you're wanting to get rid of at the same converted mana cost. Which and like yeah. like you said, that's all. It's usually going to be four or five because that's usually uh, you know, a big, pretty crowded piece of yep. the uh, people's mana curves. But. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up that hot profile, guys. Now we're going to head over to how this deck brings the game home and the yeast package. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start us off? What is your first yeast card? Yeah, sure. So first yeast card is pro- it's probably my top favorite car- five cards of all time. Um, it is a thousand year storm. Storm, uh, yeah, that card's I so good. Love this card so much. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read it for everybody. So thousand year storm is four colorless, one blue, one red for an enchantment. It says whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, copy it for each other instant and sorcery you've cast before it this turn. You may choose new targets for the copies. So what this reads is I cast an opt. I opt, you know, like normal. I then cast a, oh, let's say I cast a Tolerance Invocation. Well, it's the second card that I'm casting, so I get to cast it twice. Uh, so instead of getting two drakes, I get four drakes. Well, then I followed up with a Dragon Fodder. And so now I, instead of making, you know, two tokens, I make six tokens. You just go from there. It just, yep. oh my gosh, it gets out of, it gets so incredibly out of control. <laughs> I love this card with all of my heart. It is the most, ED, it's uh, such an EDH card. It's great. Well, and kind of the cool thing is that if you have this out and Melek and you cast something from the top, both of their copy triggers are going to go on the stack. So, you know, you cost that opt for the first time off the top of the library. Uh, Well, sure, you're only going to get the two copies from Melek because, you know, you haven't cast anything before because the way it'll work is the copy will resolve first, then the other one. But, like you said, you then go into your Tolrand Invocation, and if for some reason that's on the top, you get your copy copy from Melek, then you get your copy cop, or you get your extra copy from Thousand Year Storm. So now it's going to happen three times, possibly four, you know, math. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm no uh, math whiz. <laughs> but but then it just starts getting crazy. And then you got a primal amulet. You have to call over a judge and make them quit their job because it's like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. It, here's the thing that I'm, I'm kind of curious, your thought. I, I hear in a lot of the community, thousand years, thousand year storm hits the table. You should win the game that turn. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's... One of those ones, if you're not winning the game pretty swiftly after, it's either going to get removed or you're going to get removed. Uh, or, okay. or they should. Um, it's it's hard because it's an enchantment and it's a six drop. 
So typically, unless you are playing a late, 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 late game and you are on turn 15 and you've hit a land drop every time, you're not going to typically be able to cast it and also have mana to do much of anything. And so there is a lot of sitting and waiting and kind of hoping and just you you really have to pick your spot with it. Um, There is one way of getting around that, that, that this problem, which we'll, we'll talk about a little, little bit when I get to it's another card, but, um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, I don't know how you, like I said, unless it's late game, super late game, I don't know how you win with it the turn you get it down unless you have, um, some pretty degenerate, uh, storm yeah. playing some degenerate storm cards, which, you know, that, that, that's certainly one way you can go with this deck. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so my first East card I've never seen before, and it's making me demand which tribal. Uh, we're talking burn at the stake. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> this card is super funny. So it's two colorless, trip red, sorcery. As an additional cost to cast burn at the stake, tap any number of untapped creatures you control. You may be asking what the payoff is. Well, the payoff says burn at the stake deals damage to target creature or player equal to three times the number of creatures tapped this way. So if this is late game and the way your deck is built, you'll probably have 10-ish tokens, give or take. Little one ones that people probably aren't paying attention to. If this gets revealed on the top with Melek, you're probably killing two people in one turn for five mana. Would you agree with that? Yes, I... Yes, definitely. I have done a lot of really, really unfortunate, dirty things with this card, and <laughs> it is oh, it is so very good. Um, I've I've cast this with a thousand year storm on the field, and oh. it was chef's kiss. Like it is, it is <laughs> so big. Yeah, because like you guys are saying, yeah, you have a bunch of one ones and two twos typically, and you're not going to be able to do much with those uh, often, you know. Uh, so you have to have, find I some way to that. use them, and this is a uh, definitely a way you can use them to great effect. You know, <laughs> I, I'm actually surprised I don't see this card played in Perforos decks. Yeah, I'm surprised. Too. I mean, per- Perforos wants to make all those freaking goblins or even Krenko decks. Mm-hmm. I get it. There's other ways to win, but if you're going to have 30 or 40 goblins out there, and that's how you want to win. I mean, what if someone has propaganda? Because, I mean, we've had times where Squeamy Gee's Reese deck has, is out of control. I think this actually just happened on Sunday. Oh, we'll and, be talking about it. Yeah. yeah and, and, and post haste. <laughs> Time change. Uh, but where, where, where I think he had to pay four or eight per creature to be able to swing in. And so sometimes you just can't get in with go wide. Well, it was, it was 12 at one point, by the way. Yeah. So, and then a burn at the stake. It's like, okay, well, I don't have to get in. I'll just tap my 50 creatures, deal 150 damage to you. Yep. And I just win. Uh, so, yeah, super cool card. Uh, what is your next yeast card? Next yeast card is this is another one that got moved around. I apologize. Uh, Savage Beating. Savage Beating, oh, yeah. I think, is under the hops for some reason. I Like I said, I have no <laughs> idea why it ended up there because it's not a hops card. So, Savage Beating <laughs> is a three colorless, two red instant. So, Savage Beating reads you can only play it during your turn and only during com- combat. You get to choose one. Creatures you control gain double strike until end of turn or untap all creatures you control. And after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. And then at the very bottom, there is you can entwine it for 
one and a red. And twine means you, instead of picking one of those options, you just get to do both of them. So what this yep. turns into is seven mana, you win the game. <laughs> you give all your creatures double strike, and then they get to attack twice, and uh, you, you you typically just straight win the game. Because uh, you know, also you get to use it during combat, so it is it ends up being like just a combat trick. And EDH doesn't have a lot of combat tricks, so you wait yep. for somebody to declare no blocker on your ten little one little one one birds that you know nobody cares about, and then you say, oh, okay, yep. well, I'm gonna give all double strike, and then I'm gonna attack again, you know, <laughs> and then they have to, and then I'm gonna time. kill you, and then, well, you know, either you're dead or you're gonna lose a bunch of creatures. So it's 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 wonderful. <laughs> Now, I know from a price point perspective, being at $9 is right. probably why you don't see it in a lot yep. of decks. But once again, this is something that I've never seen in a Krenko deck or a Perforos deck or even a uh, Prosh deck. It's like, why wouldn't you run this in there? It, those decks live in the red zone. You want to swing. I mean, this would even be a slam dunk for Feather if it had the target creature sure. cost where you could kind of abuse that a little bit. But I mean, even just in Feather, just to be in Feather, it, it's still really, really good. Uh, I mean, I love Entwine cards. So yeah, when I saw that in here, I was like, oh yes, I, I know he's uh, living dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is just like it's so stinking old. It's from Darksteel, I think. That's the only printing it's ever seen. And so it's not one that but Dark still came out in that'd be like early, early two thousands, right? I don't know. I didn't I didn't play back then for sure. So <laughs> I can't imagine it's one a lot of people are familiar with. So that might be part of the reason, you know, you never see it. But yeah. no, it's very, very powerful. <laughs> Well, we're going to, my next card is actually going to be another card. I'm going to say the same thing. Why isn't this in these red combat decks? Because this card, I think, is a game winner. We're talking Dragon Rage. Yes. So, two colorless red instant. And it says, add a red mana to your uh, mana pool for each attacking creature you control. Until end of turn, attacking creatures you control gain pay red. This creature gets plus one, plus oh, till end of turn. So, here's a couple kind of ways you can do this, guys. Is A, you swing out with your 10 or 15 creatures. Creatures, no blocks you pay th only three mana those 10 or 15 creatures now produce 10 or 15 mana then you pay it all into it so then that way they all get buffed by 10 15 total power possibly going to kill someone another way you can do it is you cast the dragon rage you get all that mana and then you cast that savage beating because maybe you didn't have seven mana maybe you only had three mana well you tack with enough things, they make that mana for you. You cast your Savage Beating entwined. Now they got double strike and another combat phase, and you may even have some mana left over uh, to kind of pour into some of your other creatures to make them even bigger for that double strike and extra combat. Yep. Real good card. The thing sitting at 25 cents. Uh, this should be in every red go wide deck because it could be three mana you win the game. Bro, yeah, I love it. Yes, it is very good. You can use that mana to... Oh, there's just so many things you can use that... Yeah, it's uh, it's basically you get to do that much extra damage or you get to cast something do else Do anything crazy. else, right. yeah. Yeah, the world exactly. is your oyster. 
Yeah, the, the, the way that you're successful in EDH is you don't limit yourself or sandbox yourself. Now, I will say there's a lot of uh, our contemporaries that like to put themselves in a box, whether it's budget or mechanics. I've even done it with my Sisse God Tribal deck um, to where it's like, you know what? I want a challenge, so I'm going to stick to these very tight parameters. A card like this is great for a fluid deck to where it's like, sure, I may bust them, you know, increase them all by however much, uh, how many ever many creatures is out there that's how much more power i'm gonna have coming at you uh it could give me options to cast stuff off the top of my library i could do combat tricks with it there's a you know the like you said the world's your oyster you kind of do with it how you want um what is your last yeast card it's my last yeast card i about made it uh mercadia's downfall but there are much more popular uh well-known people who sing that card's praise uh on the regular people like sheldon menery who i think you guys yeah, actually had yeah. on here he loves that card so i'll let him i'll give him that one he can have it's incredible <laughs> but um, go. i'm going to talk about a much lesser known one uh teleportal that's so, mine too that's hilarious really? that's funny <laughs> yeah so this card is um is hot garbage and a lot of decks so i'll go and read it for you <laughs> so teleportal is a blue and a red for a sorcery it says target creature you control gets plus one plus O oh until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. But the trick of it is, is you can give it overload for three and a blue and a red. And it will, instead yep. of just giving one target creature, it gives all of your creatures that village on a turn. So it gives you a way to alpha strike through gummed up boards. It just ends games. Yep. It really does in this deck in particular. Uh, it's not one you see very often because it's really good to go wide decks. And how often do you see is it colored decks that go wide? That's extremely fair. You know, I, I kind of looked at this card as all upside for this deck. So, you know, earlier, guys, when I was kind of poo-pooing on... Um, on the uh, release the gremlins because it's like well if it's on top of the library and Melit can make a copy of it then it's good but outside of it it kind of sucks this card honestly i'm of the mindset you could have it in your hand or do it with Melic, and it's good both ways. You know, if you have it with Melic, then you get the extra power for each of your creatures. They still can't be blocked, but there's still nothing wrong paying five mana and plus one plus O oh can't be blocked because, you know, ideally you're going to hold this card up until you have the right moment or hopefully you getting on top of your library late in the game at the right moment you know you could have seen it earlier but maybe i went ahead and wayfarers bobbled it away because it's like you know what teleportal you're not right yet i only got four tokens but once you have those 10 plus tokens it's like well i just you know made those 10 power go to 20 power and you can't block it um and it's great because it doesn't give you any stipulations with the can't be blocked this turn you know you don't have to be swinging at a player or a planeswalker so it could be i'm going to swing 14 and kill one person but you know what this other guy with 30 life or gal uh they have a couple planeswalkers that are about to ultimate well let's go and knock them down a, a few pegs so yeah lots of versatility with this card and for a quarter pretty darn good mr combo i got a question when you're sitting at four tokens and you're waiting to get to 10 tokens what do you do in the meantime uh in this deck you actually cast stuff and do stuff you sit not tight. like your reese deck and just sit tight and do nothing <laughs> oh i don't do nothing yes yeah, ob on my board sir uh well guys that's gonna wrap anyway, up mr combo's a sitting tight advocate if 
<laughs> no, not at all. That's the worst thing in the world. Now that's going to wrap up the yeast package. Very yeasty. Now we're going to head. Yeah, it's so yeasty. Now we're going to head over to Spice. Um, I, I will go ahead and start this with a card that I know a lot of people really, really like. I don't run it in anything, but I can see how it works really well in this deck. We're talking Finale of Promise. So this is X Red Red Sorcery. This came out in War with all the other finales. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are very big on the green finale uh, being the best one of the bunch because you could basically crater hoof behemoth for its maximum. Um, and now it's almost like a double crater hoof if you go get crater hoof. Yep. Uh, but this one actually works great in this deck. So. It states, you may cast up to one target instant card and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana cost, period. Then it states, if a card would be cast, let's say it would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead, period. Then it states, if X is 10 or more, copy each of those spells twice you may choose up new targets for the copies. So the only kicker with this is, it, you know, Melek's not gonna be able to duplicate the other effects. It can duplicate the Finale of Promise, but you would then have to have new targets, I believe, for its effect. So you'd have to make sure you have multiple things in the yard that right. are not X spells, because if you guys ever know, if you get to cop, if you cast an X spell for free with, or without paying its mana cost, it's just X for zero. Sure. Um, so there is some risk reward with this, but man, we talked about if you need a mana, sync doing this at the end of the game for 10 um being able to have those spells each happen basically three times pretty darn good yeah it's i've actually never have gotten to cast this for x is 10 or more never oh, no! I know. I, it's 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 one of those gonna be one of those achievement unlocked sort of things i'm gonna have a bloop you know a little thing go up over my head <laughs> a little when, it, when it does actually happen but what it is actually kind of zelda's a da 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 um, what is kind of cool about this card, though, is uh, how it works with Thousand Year Storm, uh, because oh, yeah. you're casting this, but you're also casting. It says you cast the other cards, the insane yep. and the sorcery, and so when you cast this one card, you know I've done this a lot of times. Most like that's not most likely. Typically, when I've done this, X is usually two or three. Because I'm like, you know, getting back a, a token maker. Chaos Warp. And uh, Chaos Warp or a yeah. Telling Time or whatever. And, and so, and then I have a bunch of mana left over. And so I've cast at that point three spells with one card. And then I'm casting with my fourth card. I'm casting Rise from the Tides, you know, oh, or yeah. I'm casting Dig Through Time, you know, something crazy like that. And so I, I really do love it. It's a really kind of a corner case interaction, but oh, I, I love it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, it's definitely the definition of spice. Lots of reward, but it could uh, just, you know, maybe once again, you kind of have to wait for that right moment. Um, you know, kind of like what we talked about with Teleportal. So, uh, what is your spice card you want to talk about? My first spice card is you guys are going to have to tell me how to pronounce this because it's uh, one of y'all's deck. Uh, Jirid's Belligerence. Is it Jirid? Jirid. Jirid's Belligerence. So, I. I decided to add this card on a whim, honestly. I saw it in some dude's binder uh, while I was at OKC, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trade for that. It's, it's kind of a cool card. 
Um, so I should read it. I apologize. I'm going to read it first. So Jared, Jared's, Jared's, oh, Lord of mercy. Jared's belligerent. Jared, 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 you went to Jared. Yeah, I did go to Jared. Yes. Uh, (laughs) The boar or whatever it looked like, it went to Jared's too, probably. So, so it's X in red, red. Jared's belligerence deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. When a creature dealt damage this way dies this turn, populate. So typically uh, you, you like populating because you're making more yep. tokens. Uh, you don't like populating one ones. This has stayed in the deck for one reason. So when I was at Oklahoma City, the very first game I played with this deck, actually, I uh, it was a really close game with a bunch of people, and I cast a Crush of Tentacles, and you know bailed oh, myself God. out. Right, got that, got an octopus, and it was it was great. And then everybody else would had returned all their cards in the hand. Well, they then replayed out all of their little mana dorks, the little Animor elves and elvish mystics sure. and deathrite shamans, and we then will prevail. The, right the next turn, I. Jared's belligerence for six or something killed all of them and populated like five times. And so oh, I had like beautiful. all these gigantic octopus and then proceeded to, you know, just see creature everyone out of the game. Oh, yeah. so, so it has stayed in the deck simply because of the, that one experience. That one, so yeah. So the, the, right. And the longer I get away from it, the more likely it probably is to get cut. But it honestly, it does just enough in the deck. It's removal. Um, it's and it just it, it gives you more tokens. And sometimes yeah. you, you really have this deck. You really need to hit a critical mass of tokens. And pop. And it, honestly, populating like two two birds like that's really not a bad bad thing. Populating no, no, not at all. Populating flying, one yeah. one devils. I'll populate that, a one one flyer all day. Right. Populating one one devils that when they die they do extra damage. Like yeah, you know what? Sign me up. I'm gonna populate all of those. That's great. So <laughs> Yeah. Hey, and, and gremlins, they're two twos. They're they're nothing to, that's a, to shy at. So yeah, exactly. Uh well that that's super cool. Yeah. It, I, I saw that and initially I was like, who really cares about the populate when you you're just kind of making one ones, but as you dive into the deck, you know, you have lots of ways to make these unique tokens. Um so yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. And you know, there's a enough stuff in edh now to where you're giving your opponents tokens what if someone beast within's one of your things now you got a three three i'll make a bunch of copies of a three three that you know that works out so all right cool well i think that's gonna wrap up the spice package guys now we're gonna head over to the bottle capping which are gonna be andrews and my's recommendations to cut from the deck and have an under five dollar under fifty dollar and a personal recommendation the only restriction is no mana only lands uh you know this being your deck sir why don't you start us off what card are you gonna cut and what card under five dollars are you wanting to recommend to add so the first card i think i'm gonna cut from the deck is probably and this is gonna probably surprise you but uh narset's reversal what? Oh, I love this card. I love, okay, here's the thing. I love this card on paper, too. I have had probably the last 10 times I've played this deck, it seems like I have this card in my hand. It just rots. It sits there in yeah. my hand, and it rots because I, as I watch my opponents cast Planeswalker after Planeswalker after Enchantment after Creature, and I just sit there, and I glare at it, and I get madder and madder <laughs> as it does mean nothing. And so it, it's. Uh, I'm going to give it another... Another chance, some more chances, I think. But I think I've the best thing I've done with it so far is I've copied somebody's like Kodama's Reach, which that was cool. Like, you know, yeah, sure. cool, got some free lands, but man, I need, I wanted to do something else. So 
what I'm going to replace it with actually is uh, Lazotep plating. Have you, do you guys know that one? I am I not know. familiar. Okay, Why don't you read me, off that card? Yeah, let me go ahead and pull this up on EDH Rec. Um, so Lazotep plating. Lazotep plating, I think it's Warth Spark, and it's a yep. one colorless and one blue instant, and it amasses one. So amass, you yep. get a zero zero black zombie army and get a plus one plus one, and then you and permanents you control gain hexproof until end of turn. So the thing about this deck is that you want to be casting some sorceries, obviously. You want to be creating tokens. That does both of those things. And one of the most uh, crushing ways to lose with this deck is if Melek dies a couple times. And so and okay. the thing of it is, Melek eats a lot of removal. Uh, it, it gets swords, it gets path, it gets all of those all of those removal spells we we're talking about. They They get thrown at Melek. And so having a way to be able to protect Melek without... Uh, I don't I don't have uh, Lightning Greaves or uh, Swift or boots, in here. Yeah. And honestly, those would be those would be fine inclusions. Um, they're just... I don't know. I don't love running those cards. Um, they didn't feel like they fit the theme of the deck quite as well as I'd want. Sure. And so this card does fit the theme. And also the the uh, upside of being able to give yourself hexproof is is very very good. There are, there are many times where you get targeted with all kinds of manner of nastiness. I used to run the white ley line that gave you hexproof. Yeah. That was a really really good exactly. card. I used to run that in Reef. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And there there are a lot of times and it's a lot of uh, think things like even if it's a smaller things that over over the course of a game it adds up. And so yeah, you know, um, yeah. I I, re I like the card. I like the hexproof aspect, and it makes sense. You know, I definitely play some commanders where they are kill on sight. You know, Kali of the Vast is you know one of those. Uh, the first sliver, for example. The only thing you know you kind of have to be careful about, guys, is that if you put in a Lazotep plating, you know, we just talked about a way to populate and make copies of tokens. The way a mass works is you actually don't get to make copies of those that's tokens because those tokens are zero zeros. Um, so that's just something to kind of keep keep in the back of your mind to where if you're actually just running a mass in any deck just know you can't it's not like you're gonna get a bunch of zombie armies the whole point is your army single army just gets bigger and bigger through plus one counters every time you amass um and then if you make copies of it you don't actually get to amass you're just gonna make zero zeros that are gonna die so um just a little food for thought um well, cool. I like it. Uh, and, you know, that's budget. So uh, my under $5, I'm cutting, like I said, Stolen by the Fae. I don't need to re re read it. Uh, we talked about it earlier. But I'm going to cut it for a card. It's a bit more CMC, but it does exactly what your deck wants. We're talking about Swarm Intelligence. Mm, interesting. So go, so, you go, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. I so this card is right now under 50 cents, so not very expensive. Six colorless blue. It's an enchantment, so it's hard to remove. And it just simply states, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may copy the spell. May choose new targets for the copy. I mean, it, it, it feeds into every single thing this deck wants to do is make multiple copies of these generating token or whatever value you're trying to do. It's just another almost redundancy. Hey, someone gets rid of your thousand year storm. This isn't as good, but it's still going to be a good enchantment out there. So funny story about this card. I cut this card from the deck 
actually. So, what? so here, so hear me out. And honestly, that, that might be something I need to look at, go back, go back over. <laughs> um, so, when in my during its first iteration, I had a bunch of really, really high mana cost things, and I had like that. I had call Skybreaker, which is like a seven drop that makes a fly, five five flyer. Sure, and a cu- couple other like really, really. Um, let's call it not brave inclusions, but like, like the fact is that fact of the matter was, it was unlikely I was ever making it, uh, to that stage of the game. It's so I ended up cutting a bunch of that really high mana stuff. And I immediately put in Pongify rapid hybridization and like a counter or two and it improved the deck. And so honestly, that's one I should probably take another look at. Um, because the, the the only way this deck wins is by going really far over the top. And the easiest way Spellslinger yep. goes over the top is to make copies of spells. And so yep. I think this you you might have actually inspired me to give it another shot. I might, I might might have to take something out and give it another go. Yeah, and, and the whole reason I did Stolen by Fae for this is, you know, like we talked about, you're probably going to be casting it from a 4 to a 6 CMC creature, mm-hmm. so that means you're going to be paying 6 to 8 sure. mana to do that. Um, so this goes ahead, and it fits right in that quote-unquote curve, even though on paper it will increase that curve. Mm-hmm. And I talked about it earlier, I don't like the specific CMC restriction of Stolen by the Fae. Um, and yes... The evasion people are good. We're going to talk about how I'm going to help you do that uh, a little bit later in the capping. Um, But I think just adding in another copy effect and just being able to guarantee I'm going to be making multiple copies of these token generators opposed to, uh, oh, God, like, I really don't even have good targets. It could be late in the game and you're playing Squee McGee and all he has is Reese. Mm -hmm. Do you really want to be casting Stolen by the Fae? For Watch one for fairy against, yeah, for the Reese just to make the one one fairy, <laughs> probably not. Um, and but like you said, you know, it usually mid game you're probably gonna have four CMC to six CMC things. I just think Swarm Intelligence will just do more for the deck. That's fair. So, uh, cool. Uh, what is your under fifty dollar cut and or uh, cut and then under fifty dollar recommendation? So my under fifty dollar cut is actually gonna be goblin offensive i have found okay. this card to be offensive right so it is a goblin offensive is an x one and two red to create x one one uh goblin creature tokens and just put them onto the battlefield it's a there's sorcery. just better ones yeah. right it's i yeah. like like you said i like having mana sinks so like you're very right yep. on there it is a good mana sink I don't it's just such a bad rate you you have to uh, yeah. really look like okay when am I okay with the rate that this is giving me so if you do it for four you're getting one goblin like two you get five you know yep. and so it's like really not until you're probably getting to what eight nine ten mana yeah. that you're like really like you know what that was a solid rate you compare it with hoardling outburst which is three mana and you can just get three goblins to do that you have to you yep. literally double the mana. So that is, uh, I have wanted to, yeah, get that, get rid of that card. It was, it's not good. So that will be being replaced by uh, Mizzix's Mastery, 
is kind of funny. <laughs> given I almost, I almost did this one, and I was like, no, uh, I don't, I don't think he's a degenerate. Uh, but it's, it's all see, right. I am. <laughs> it, it, Learned otherwise. In my heart of hearts, I really kind of am. So. Uh, Mizzix's mastery <laughs> for the uninitiated is a three colorless and a red for a sorcery. Exile target card. That's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. For each card exiled this way, copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost, and then you exile Mizzix's mastery, and you can overload it for five and three red. You are basically never casting this for its not overloaded cost. Correct. Like I've I've counted like you have to be in dire straits. Like if I don't chaos warp <laughs> this thing right now, you yeah. know, I literally lose the game. Uh, other than that, you're waiting to overload it, and the deck actually fills up its library, not the library, its graveyard faster than you think because you're casting a lot of spells, and yeah, uh, so you're gonna be getting back, you know, casting seven, eight spells easily you know, for eight mana, and that's it's it's just go so far over the top you could do way more degenerate things in other decks uh in other decks with this card uh in my mizzix deck like 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 dumping an expropriate in the yard and then doing exactly you have expropriate and all your taking like in all your different turns deck cards and uh you know oh god what's my what's the one that's mana geyser mana geyser with this is hilarious you know you get to you make however many lands your opponents have t- tapped. You make that much mana, and then you just go crazy. That's great. So, uh, yeah. So you can do in this deck. It's just very fair. It's just a very fair yep. value card, and it lets you do what, exactly what this deck wants to do. And the only point I'll make on it is, you say it's fair until you have Thousand Year Storm out, and you do that, uh, then it becomes very not fair because you are <laughs> casting all these spells, and then all that's going to stack on a Thousand Year Storm, and that stack to get so complicated, everyone quits. Ah, uh, yes, uh, that is true. <laughs> we call that cute. Yeah, there we go. It's very cute. Yes. Uh, so my cut is going to be a card called Keep Watch. Okay. Uh, it's two colorless blue, instant, draw a card for each attacking okay. creature. I, I think you have enough stuff in here. I don't really think you need mm-hmm. that. Um, you seem to be drawing cards. You seem to be kind of doing your thing. I, I don't see that particular card really like if you replaced it with something. I don't. I don't see you just being like, oh god, I missed this one thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna recommend you put in an extremely cute card. I like it, Galvanoth. Gal Galvanoth is a fun one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so this is three colorless red-red. It's a creature beast, 3-3. Three, three. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Well, with Melek out and all the top deck manipulation stuff we talked about that you have in your hop section, it could be upkeep. And it's like, you know what? Uh, I have a land there. Why don't we go ahead and opt? Why don't we go ahead and crystal ball... And then possibly be able to just double something because you're going to cast it for free. And then Melek's going to see that you casted it for free. So then it's going to do it again. It seems like the only person that's not a friend with your deck is Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Seems like she hates this deck. Yes. Uh, But no, Galvanoth is a card. I think this is going to give you more than just that one time potential use 
for the draw card for each attacking because this is going to get you incremental card advantage and i've actually started to look at edh in a way to where you want to have cards in your deck that's like you know what I'm going to pay five mana to do this. I may get to use it once, but most likely I'm going to make someone burn a counter spell. I'm going to make them burn a removal spell. So then, like you talked about, Melek is always targeted. Well, maybe that takes the ire away from Melek, or maybe people have been wasting their resources on Melek and Galvanoth just sticks because they're like, crap. We don't really don't, you know, we wasted the swords and the path and the murder the first three times he casted Melek. Well, now there's a Galvanoth out and we don't have anything left. Uh, so I, I think this could be a good card and it's it fits right in your budget. It's like coming in at a quarter. Definitely. Yeah, that's a card I used to play in my in my Melek deck before I switched it to Mizzix, actually. And it got cut from Mizzix because Mizzix was all X spells. And so yep. and doesn't make any sense in an X-Bells deck. So that might be one I need to revisit. That is a fun, fun card for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, what's your personal recommendation <gasps> cut and add? Personal recommendation cut. That is a tough one. But I think what I would go with for that would actually probably be... I think it'd probably be the Mirari Conjecture, actually. That's actually mine yeah, as well. It's a little it's a little cute. Uh it, it's cute, it's kinda slow. Um and honestly, other than its third ability, which I'll let you read yes. the card, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't do what your deck wants to mm. do, which is copying incident sorcery sure. spells until the very sure. end. So, yeah, why don't you go and read what yeah, this totally. card so is? So, the Mara Conjecture is four colors and a blue for an enchantment saga, which sagas are wonderful, and I'm so happy they came back in Theros, but we'll get there later, I'm sure. Um, so, when it comes in immediately, it will get, uh, you have the first chapter which is return target instant card from your graveyard to your hand. Chapter two is return target sorcery from your graveyard to hand. And chapter three is until end of turn, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, copy it, you may choose new targets for the copy. So I do, I will say I do like this card for giving you, allowing you to rebuy your spells. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, fair. so it is good. The problem is when you, you're not typically going to be casting this for on turn five because you don't want to cast this unless you have some things to get back. And so by yep. the time you are casting it, you, it's a little bit later in the game and you either have other things that you're wanting to do, like cast Malik or cast thousand year storm or cast, uh, you know, a, a lot of other different things, or you're going to cast it. You're going to get a little bit of value out of it, but you're not, the game's going to be over by the time the third chapter hits. And correct, so correct. it is a it is a card that works better in theory than it does in in practice is what I found. I've had like one game where it really did a lot of work for me, and I've had a couple games where it's it's kind of rotted in my hand, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think that I think this is definitely something you got to have those targets in the graveyard, or it's a dead card. Period. Um, plus, no one's going to let it get to that third piece, where it's just whenever you cast an instant sorcery, copy it, and then with Melek, you're getting three copies, basically, if you include the original. It's not going to happen. Like, the, the way, the only way this card, and I actually think I have this in my, um, uh, oh gosh, Savine deck, um, and, and it's probably one that I do need to cut, uh, but the only way you really get to that third piece, unless... 
it's late, late game and everyone's wasted their enchantment mm-hmm. removal, um, as if you have ways to proliferate those counters. Sure. Uh, you get it out there, it gets its first saga, it triggers, you know what, I'm going to proliferate it, and then I'm going to proliferate it again like a Contagion engine. Uh, but, you know, if you're Marari conjecturing and then Contagion engineing in the same turn, that's like nine mana, 11 mana, something like that. You probably should have other ways to win the game with that much mana, um, other than just being cute. Sure. Because um, then you still have to have stuff to cast. So, yeah, what card are you going to be adding and replacing? I'm going to, so since this is an unlimited budget one and I don't get to get to play <laughs> with these kind of cards, I decided to pick a very expensive card um, that I've never gotten to play with. I've always wanted to because it looks like fun. Scroll Rack. So, Scroll Rack, yeah, oh, yeah. Scroll Rack is a really good physics. It's a kind of a boring pick. There are a lot of. I think it's an overrated card in most decks. It is not overrated in this deck. So, Skorak no. uh, costs two. It's an artifact. You pay one and tap it. Choose any number of cards in your hand. Set those cards aside. Put an equal number of, number of cards from the top of your library into your hand. Then put the cards set aside in this way on top of your library in any order. So, if you have a bunch of cards that you would really love on top of your deck to double with Melix, you get to just put them from your hand on top of your deck. So this is a yep. very, very good card that costs sixty to seventy dollars, which is just yes. Um, and we didn't talk about it, but you have a God Eternal Kefnet in your spice mm-hmm. package, and that's actually a combo uh, with Kefnet and extra turns like expropriate yep. to where if Kefnet's your commander, or even if it was just in this deck and you have scroll rack, you reveal you cast a copy of expropriate for two less, so then it's only seven mana or any extra turn spell for that matter. Um, um, but then you get the original copy back to your hand because the big thing with expropriates is it exiles itself. Well, you know, you steal things, you're going to get an extra turn after this, and then you just pay the one mana for uh, scroll rack, and you put that expropriate on top of the library and draw another card. So it's not even something to where it's like, oh, well, you're just casting expropriate over and over. You're not even drawing other cards. No, because scroll rack allows you to still draw a card <laughs> and get expropriate on the top. So it's, it's, it's definitely one of those cards that it can be as degenerate as that to where basically you steal everything that everyone has and you take all the extra turns or it could just be as cute as oh i'm just gonna you know uh, i drew maybe a uh, uh goblin offensive too early in the game let me get that on top of the library now that I have melic out so i can get some true value mm-hmm, for sure <laughs> So my cut was obviously the conjecture, my add. I'm a big proponent of this. I don't know if you are, but when I build the deck, I like to make sure that I have a pseudo lieutenant in the deck. You know, we call these guys generals. I'm a big proponent of having a lieutenant in here. And since this is a token deck, I thought maybe you should have a Brutaclad in here. Uh, Telcor Engineer. Interesting. So the... Yeah, so this is four colorless, is it? So that's going to be your blue-red legendary artifact creature, 4-4. And it says creature tokens you control have haste. Very big. But here's the reason I think it would work good in this deck. And I think this would be your game winner out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, you, you talked about how you geared's deliverance and got cute and made a bunch of 8-8s. Uh, but you kind of had to do some stuff to do that. You had to kill things. Well, with Brutaclad, you don't have to. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 blue mirror artifact creature token. Then you may choose a token you control. If you do, each other token you control becomes a copy of that token. Well, you have that 8-8. You got a bunch of 1-1 goblins. You play, play Brutaclad, you win the game, basically. 
Uh, we, we had a uh, we had a guy in our play group that ran a Brutaclad deck that the whole game he would make some BS tokens, one ones, treasures, clues, whatever he could. And your deck, you're making a lot of one ones and two twos, and then you do have this elusive eight eight. You play him super late in the game. You probably don't have to make copies of your instant or sorceries to win. You're just like, hey, Brutaclad, I make another token. And then everything becomes an 8-8. Or even you could Pognify your own stuff mm. to just make everything into 3-3s. Three so I think Brutaclad's going to be a way that you're going to be able to use these tokens and not need other tricks. It's, it's, it's another trick in the bag that will help you end up just winning. I actually like this a lot. I was, I've been looking for a way to give uh, tokens haste because I found that that yep. is... Uh, you make a bunch of tokens. Uh, one of my favorite ways to do it is with the, oh, it's six cost. Why can't I think of it? Arise from the tides. You make, I mean, okay. just gobs of zombies, but then you have to wait an entire turn uh, and hope that it gets can back I, to you with them alive. Can I throw a squeeze recommendation in here? Is it blue or red? If not, we don't care. It's an artifact called Crashing Drawbridge for two that gives all oh, yeah. creatures haste. Yeah, yeah, that is actually a really good one, too. Uh, but yeah, this gives creature tokens haste. Uh, that's actually, in the meantime, upgrade some of those one ones into two ones isn't, isn't nothing either. Huh. I'm, yeah, correct. Yeah, I might have to I might have to give that a look. And and this is still budget. I think right now it's trending at a buck 63. So. Um, yeah, I think I think that's definitely something to consider. Uh, like I said, I mean, you make them into eight eights, or worst case, you're like you said, you're making those one ones into two ones. Or if you know you uh, ignore my stolen by the Fay recommendation to cut, uh, how about just making them all flyers? That's even good. The, the, and the nice thing is, as decks evolve, um, you know, if say you get a treasure token, it's like you know what, I could really use the mana right now. Turn all my goblins into treasures. Use this mana to do some other degenerate stuff maybe you're burning out people maybe it's you know some other thing and then next turn you make your two one up oh, you know what i don't need the treasures anymore now i turn them back into two ones it just gives you this flexibility to kind of like whatever the situation is you can kind of do it um so yeah well, I think that's going to wrap up our bottle capping, guys. Uh, thanks for making it until the end. And as promised, here's some details about that giveaway that our sponsor, Level 1 Gaming, is going to be doing. We're giving away that Theros Beyond Death bundle. Uh, to enter, it's extremely simple. Just kind of help promote the content we produce. Uh, you're going to get an entry for every interaction you do with us on social media. We're going to announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News February 4th and social media soon after. And yes... We're doing these giveaways every single month. It could be a sweet little kit like this. It could be a deck. It could be a card. Really just kind of depends on what our sponsor, Level 1 Gaming, is going to provide us. Uh, but you know what? We'd super appreciate some feedback on your podcast platform. If you enjoyed it, leave that five-star review. If you absolutely hated it, just stroll uh, our friend Andrew here because it was all his fault. Um, <laughs> if you want to know uh, other ways that you could reach out to us and more ways to enter into that contest, here's how you can do that. You can reach me at Mr. Combo number 5 on on Twitter, all spelled out except for that five. Uh, screw Big Tuck, even though he has a Twitter, he doesn't get a shout out because he didn't put in the See work. Ya. Uh, you can reach your main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Andrew, where can our collective reach you and the content you produce? Definitely. So um, I am on Twitter at, at BruiseMTG. And then you can find my article series, Ultra Budget Bruise, uh, monthly on EDHREC. 
You can also go to our website to kind of see the articles that we put together for these podcasts at www.cmdtower.com. Uh, we're also on the Facebook. We're on the Reddit. Type in Charlie Mathis we Delta Tower. We got your Facebook. Well, you we everywhere. We everywhere. Uh, if you want to engage our awesome production team for your own future projects, how would they do that, Squee? Uh, you can find me at richchaosrecords.com. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at richchaosrecords. Or you can reach me on Twitter at Dear Squee. Ask me any type of question you have. Uh, or email me if it's too personal for those risque Twitter followers. Shoot me an email. I'll answer you privately. It'll be fine. That's dearsquee at cmdtower.com. Yep. You can also reach uh, myself and Big Tuck at just our names at cmdtower.com as well. Um, but you know what? Squee does music, podcasts. I've even We've even had some of our Patreons reach out to them to help master their own bands like Mixes. Uh, it's a full studio. So if you're either local in the KC metro area or you want to send your files over the interwebs, you could definitely work with them. Uh, if you want to support the show as well as hook up our sponsor with the orders you're already doing, head over to level1gameshop.com. Um, and when you place an order in the order notes, just type out CMD Tower so they know that you came from the collective. They also uh, have like the, our sweet CMD Tower playmats, sleeves, everything else you need from an MTG and game perspective. Outside of their own storefront, they also have a TCG store with an over 99% accuracy rating and incredibly competitive prices. Uh, another way you can support us is head over to patreon.com slash CMD Tower. We have several different reward tiers from as simple as Discord access to if we actually get 100 patrons every three months, we're going to have one of you, the collective, be on Brews and Builds and kind of dive into your deck series as well. Um, each tier is going to give you additional entries into the monthly giveaways as well. Uh, we always want to give a big shout out to Pink Royal for the music they provide uh, in the beginning of the end of the episode. Um, Andrew, before we kind of seal the deal and kind of seal this beer, is there any last thoughts or anything you want to let everyone know about? about this deck the deck is a lot of fun you get if you if you enjoy being the underdog if you enjoy playing decks and cards in ways that they aren't typically played this is might this might be for you it's a little off the wall it's not crazy high powered uh, but in your average game it, it's it's a lot of fun that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, like we talked about earlier, is it tokens outside of Brutaclad isn't really done. And honestly, I'm on EDH rec right now. Uh, it's there's only 981 decks of Brutaclad. Uh, I thought, honestly, there would be way more uh, because I figured that would have been extremely popular. But it's only the number 68th ranked commander. So it's definitely one that you're not going to see a lot of out in the wild. Um, and so if you're wanting to do your own token kind of play on it, Malik's definitely one to check out. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up Bruce and Builds, guys. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.